Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line, the podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs who want to grow their business. We have heard the stories, online retailers having their systems breached and credit card information stolen, of companies having their systems locked down unless money is being paid. And these incidents are escalating and it doesn't seem to matter how big or small you are, they're coming for you. So today on The Real Bottom Line, we are talking to Daryl Presswell, founder of MyDware. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Today on The Real Bottom Line, we are talking to Daryl Cresswell, founder of MyDware, a cybersecurity and managed IT systems company. Welcome, Daryl. Thank you, Andy. It's great to be here with you. I am so excited. I don't know why I've started geeking out on this uh, subject, but it really is a growth over the last year of really uh, embracing this new reality for us all around what we have to do as business owners. But let's go back a little bit. What brought you into cybersecurity and IT? Well, I've been involved with IT systems and computers since a very young age. Uh, 13 years old is when, is when I started. So I've, I've witnessed every major change that's happened in the IT industry uh, since, since that time. I noticed a pattern that was starting to take place, uh, you know, over the last, you know, several years. And uh, there was a lot, the, the, the types of attacks that we were seeing were getting a lot more sophisticated and they were doing a lot more damage to, to businesses. Having been a part of a lot of SMP, SMBs and their growth from nothing into the companies that they worked so hard to build, I started to see those companies get hit by cyber criminals and have their systems ransomed and breached. And I just, I really, really despise seeing good, hardworking people taken advantage of. You know, you've, mm. you've got you know, sometimes they're family businesses and they've they've put all of their capital into it, all of their years, all of their life. And, you know, some some cyber criminal in a different country with no regard for anything other than a quick payday comes in. And, you know, it's it's business ending for a lot of these small businesses. And it's just something that's it just really bothers me because I know what it takes to 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 make a business out of nothing. So that's what what gets me passionate about it. I love that you're so passionate about it because, yeah, you really care. You care about that companies uh, are going to do well and not be um, sidetracked by this annoying thing. Yes. Which can be quite deliberative. Oh, my goodness. Debilitating, I guess. Bad words today. Okay. So I'd like to start at the top and do some definitions because I find that I feel like sometimes this stuff is all used interchangeably. So I'd love to have some clarity on hacking versus ransomware versus phishing. Okay, well, the word hacking is used very often in a in a negative context and it's oh hackers are bad and and hacking is bad and hacking is illegal. But there there's two sides of hacking. There's ethical hacking and then there's what the bad guys do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so not all hacking is, is bad, but uh, when ransomware is is something that's totally different than hacking. Ransomware is when a cyber criminal maliciously puts a piece of malware onto one of your systems with the intention of having it spread to multiple devices and servers and workstations in your environment for the purpose of encrypting your files and demanding a large ransom to you know have that have those files decrypted. So hackers can do good things with software and you know hackers can do bad things with software. I would argue that the the people that are deploying ransomware we shouldn't even be calling them hackers. We should be calling them what they truly are, which is cyber criminals. Okay. I do like that uh term. It does it does raise them up to the level of how we should be considering them. Absolutely. And what is phishing? So phishing is uh, another um technique that threat actors use or cyber criminals use to try to get to try to trick you basically into doing things that you really shouldn't be doing. The purpose of a phishing email and there's there's multiple kinds of phishing emails. You know, there's the spray and pray method where, you know, they just send out a phishing email to a ton of people and just see what they get, see who clicks on it. It might be like a UPS refund or your, you know, your delivery didn't go through or something like that. Um, But then there's spear phishing and spear phishing is if you think about it, just in the sense, like you're at, you're at the lake and you're fishing with a spear, you're, you're targeting the fish that you want. You're looking at it you know what it is, you know how it tastes, and you really want it, and you and you go at it with your spear. In cyber, uh, spear phishing is very much the same thing. It, it's you, you know who your target is, you know something about the organization, and you send a very crafty email to the target with the, with the attention of, of tricking them. And what they're really trying to do is one of two things. They're either trying to get malware to run on your computer so that they can get persistent access to your network, uh, or they're trying to deploy the ransomware payload right away uh, from the get-go. But a lot of the times what we see them doing is they're really just trying to get persistent access to your environment so that they can sit dormant in the environment for you know, sometimes up to six months doing recon and finding out what type of backups do you use, what type of servers do you have, what type of computers you have, so that when they do deploy the ransomware, they can make sure that they've disabled your backups and that you don't have that capability to recover um, but that's really what they're trying to do. That's the purpose of a phishing email. It's come a long way since years ago where it's, you know, the Nigerian prince and he's got a lot of money that he wants to send you. Uh, phishing emails are very purposeful now. Um, and that's, we see a lot of that. Can you give me some concrete examples that you've seen that uh, of, a, of an email that I might fall for for phishing? You know, there's a lot of HR scams that are going on right now uh, where phishing emails will come into somebody who's in the HR department asking for, you know, so-and-so has changed banks and they need to update their payroll so that their, you know, their paychecks go into their new bank account. And what's really happening is you're just sending the money into the cyber criminals bank account instead of the employees. There's a lot of that. Mm. Um, You know, there's some other emails that we see a lot that, uh, you know, clients get where it's, you know, to the executive assistant from the CEO saying something like, uh, I, I, I would like to do a, you know, a bunch of gift cards as a giveaway for, you know, a, a high value client or, you know, something for the employees. And I need you to keep this quiet. Don't say it, anything to anyone. I want it to be a surprise. Just go purchase this. So it's stuff like that that we see mm. a lot of those. That's a fascinating. Yeah, they really are some more, so much more sophisticated than they used to be. They're very crafty. Who are these cyber security? Who are these cyber thieves? 
you know, there's there's this concept that they're kids in a basement of their parents' home. And, and, you know, maybe there is some of that. It definitely does happen. But cyber criminals are a legitimate business. They have offices, they have secretaries, they have CEOs, they have uh, HR departments. They, they are fully organized companies that exist to do nothing but this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're sophisticated and they have teams of people making phone calls. They have teams of people sending out ransomware. They have, they're, they're an actual organized company. It's organized crime, but that's what they are. Oh, interesting. So I hear this, uh, especially if I'm watching any type of, uh, you know, a whodunit TV show or, you know, something that's intriguing. And they talk about the dark web. What is the dark web? The dark web is an unindexed part of the internet that you cannot get to using a traditional, you know, open up Microsoft Edge or Chrome or something like that. You need specific software that is dedicated to allowing you to get onto the dark web. And it's, you know, there's all kinds of content on the dark web. There's good purposes for the dark web, but there's also a lot of bad purposes for the dark web. There's also... Like there's really nothing you can't purchase on the dark web. There's even you know done for you services that are on the dark web. Um, you know ransomware as a service is something that is sold on the dark web. No way. And this is just you know you could be anybody who wants to target anybody, and you can go onto the dark web, and you can purchase a done for you ransomware kit for as little as seventy five dollars, and it includes everything. You know, you know, from the software that gets deployed uh, to initiate the ransomware to the way that the the funds get collected through cryptocurrency into the account, and the organization that provides the ransomware as a service, they keep a portion of the funds that they collect. You know, for developing the software, and you know, they give the rest to to you. But anybody can go on the dark web and do that. Uh, so there's that. There's a lot of passwords and PII, personally identifiable information, that gets dumped onto the dark web. You know, and it, it's just there's a lot of stuff like that, and that's the part of the dark web that's really concerning to business owners because you you really can't remove anything from the dark web once it's there. The trick is to get notified of what's there so that you can you take action in a timely fashion, like change your passwords, change your credit card number, that type of stuff. Correct. Yes. If you're not monitoring the dark web and you don't know what's out there, you don't you don't have any way of knowing that your password has been breached. You don't have any way of knowing that your credit card is there. You just you don't know. And it's that simple fact of not knowing makes it so that it can be exploited. You don't know that it's there. You don't know that everybody can see it. So you don't know to go cancel that or to change that password to your banking or your government website login or whatever's the case. So there's a lot there's a lot of that on the dark web. Is that typical? Is that a typical service for a cybersecurity type of company? Dark web monitoring is de- it should definitely be a component of any proper cybersecurity stack. Uh, it's it's something that if you're not doing it and you can't be made aware of what's there, then you can't take action on it. And, mm. and that's the critical part of it. Speaking of, that's a wonderful segue. Thank you, Daryl, into uh, CyberStack. And um, we talked about this. I I do love anything that's stackable for some reason. So um, the idea of a CyberStack, what is it? What do we need in place? How do we make it work? That's a great question. Uh, There's a lot of misconception of business owners 
that you know to to stay safe from the bad guys all you need is your firewall and your antivirus uh you know and bob the it guy down the road or you know uncle bob that also does it on the side or you know just somebody that can come in and install my antivirus and update it and and you know i'm safe there's a lot of misconception around that uh, and what I can tell you about that is if you look at every single major data breach that took place, you know, just last year, just in the last 12 months, the major ones, the big ones, the small ones, doesn't matter. You know what all of those organizations had in common that were breached? They all had antivirus and they all had firewall, yet the bad guys still got in. Yeah. So this idea of having a cyber stack as your approach to cybersecurity, it really makes a lot of sense because we know that your firewall is going to let you down. We know that your antivirus is going to let you down. And so, I mean, what are people to do when that is their only line of defense? Uh, a lot of the times firewalls are a lot more capable than people turn the features on. So that's, that's part of the problem too. But the point is you should count that count on the fact that your firewall is going to let you down and you should count on the fact that your antivirus is going to let you down. So you need to have other layers in your cyber defense strategy. And it starts with your employees. The single most important thing that you can do as an organization is invest in your people. They are the ones who are getting fished. They are the ones who are getting uh, spearfished. In almost all of these attacks that we saw take place, they all started with a phishing email, nearly all of them. That, that is like one of the most popular ways that these attacks take place. And it's not our employees' fault. It, they don't know what they don't know. Mm. And you know that's why we have a layer in the cybersecurity stack called security awareness training. And it's critical. We see that organizations that deploy security awareness training to their employees are up to 80% less likely to fall victim of a phishing email. I actually wrote an entire chapter in uh, in my book about this topic because it's so important. So yeah, and security awareness training should not be something that is done yearly. It's not something that should be done monthly. Security awareness uh, training should be really done weekly. Um, and that's just part of it. It's all fine and good to train your employees and to provide the training videos and so forth. But if you don't actually test them, then you don't know that they're maintaining what they've, they're not retaining what you've uh, shown them. So a good training session, actually also uh, a good training program actually includes the ability to test if the subject matter is sticking. Correct. Yes. And so what that's designed to do is, you know, whoever's providing you the uh, service will typically send out a targeted phishing email to your employees to try to get them to click on a link. And when they click on it, they get a message that's like, hey, gotcha. Um, you know, this was a phishing email. We were able to trick you. This is how you uh, fell for this scam. And, you know, next time be on the lookout for so-and-so. And it just reinforces what they've already learned and helps positive reinforcement, right, to, to retain the knowledge. That's awesome. In today's world, um, you know, particularly during COVID and everything, we've gone into more of a hybrid work uh, environment or even fully dispersed teams. Well, how does that complicate the cybersecurity regime uh, for employers and business owners? It, it, it really does because it, 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 affect, it affects the stack, you know, and, and I only mentioned a few of the, of the things that should be in a proper cybersecurity stack. There's a, there's a lot more components that need to go into having a, a mature cybersecurity 
program in place. You know, we've only touched upon a, a couple of them, but you know, remote workforce and people working in different locations, it adds a ton of complexity to the environment because you're talking about people who are, you know, working from home on a, you know, a router that they bought from, you know, one of the big box stores as a $49 special, you know, at, at Christmas time or something like this. And, you know, by default, these things have no security on them. Their passwords are, you know, you know, basic admin, admin type passwords. Uh, and, and these are what are running the the home networks where you have your business computers. And that that's really, really a dangerous scenario. You've also got to consider the fact of, you know, what else is running on that network. You've got, you know, teenagers doing who knows what on, on their computers. You've got, you know, software and video games that have been downloaded from who knows where running on that same network where you have the corporate devices running. So it it really proves a challenge. And that's why you want to consider the fact that you need to have multiple layers in your cybersecurity stack. Because when you take your work machine home into these unknown networks and you connect to the Wi-Fi, we already know you can't count on that firewall to protect you. So that's when the other layers need to come in and back up and be self-reinforcing. Your business is making a profit. You're growing but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success. Don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your financial diagnostic score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. Well, uh, you told me a story uh, last week, Daryl, about using the term whitelisting and how important that is. And and so could you define whitelisting and then kind of tell the story you, you told me about Zoom? So there is this concept in cybersecurity called zero trust. And zero trust is essentially zero trust. You, you don't trust anything. So by default, we deny everything and we only allow what we trust. So for example, uh, let's just say you have a computer and on your computer, you've got you know Adobe and you know Microsoft 365 and so forth. By default, all of those applications would be denied in a zero trust model. And we would specifically whitelist the applications that we know you need in order to uh, to be able to do your your work. And so when you do that, you essentially are protecting the entire environment because if somebody does get fished and they do fall for their, for a scam and they, they click a malicious link and it tries to run and execute on the computer, it's not going to be recognized by the application whitelisting software. It's going to say, hey, this is something new. I don't know what this is. I don't understand what this is, so I'm not going to allow it, and it, it'll it'll get blocked. It'll it'll just stay, you know, in that way until the security team can take a look at it and say, yes, this file's clean. We're going to allow it to run, or oh my gosh, it has you know a malware payload in it, and that's something that we we see a lot. We deploy a lot of zero trust and application whitelisting to our clients. It's uh, one of our top recommendations, and it pretty much all of our clients have it. Uh, at this point. Um, but we see things like this where 
with application whitelisting and zero trust, you always walk this very fine line between, you know, usability and security. And, mm-hmm. you know, as an IT professional in the cybersecurity space, that's always a difficult spot for us because you end up in a scenario where people are trying to do something on their computer in an urgent manner. And, you know, the IT department is blocking it and they don't understand why. And so the example that, uh, you know, we're talking about here is, you know, uh, one of we had this happen with one of our uh, clients where um, they were getting ready to go into a meeting, a Zoom meeting, ironically enough. And, you know, Zoom wasn't installed on the computer. So uh, what this individual did, and it was the CEO, uh, of course. Of course. (laughs) You know, and it was a meeting that he had to get to last minute went onto the website and downloaded Zoom, tried to run it on his computer. And of course we had blocked it. So he starts blowing up our support desk, our our help desk team going, you know, uh, I don't understand why you guys are blocking this. You're preventing my ability to work and so on. And he he was just, he was not a happy guy. He was losing it. He, He was losing it. It was an important meeting and he couldn't get to it because we had blocked the file that he had downloaded. And so, Automatically, what happens with any file that we block, it goes to our security operations team and they take a look at that file and they check to see, you know, is this file legit? Is it, is it not? And it turns out that the, what he had done is he didn't even go to the Zoom website. He went to a fake URL. He searched for Zoom and one of the search results that he got back was a fake URL uh, that looked like Zoom and he clicked the download button and he tried to run it on his computer. After our security team had taken a look at that file, we determined that it was just full of malware. Um, and so had, you know, you know, the, and by the way, the antivirus didn't detect this either. The, the application whitelisting is what stopped this. And so we, you know, our security team took a look at this and was like, holy smokes, you know, it, it's great that this was blocked because we'd be dealing with a very different scenario uh, had, had this been allowed to run. Anyways, I, I reached back out to the um, to the gentleman, and, you know, one on one, and just had a conversation with him. And after I explained to him what he did, and what he tried to download, and what he tried to run, he was, you know, he was no longer upset with us. He was, you know, thank you very much, and I'm very sorry. But, you know, this is what happens, right? You're you're in a rush. You need to do something quickly, and you don't look at you don't really look at what you're doing. You just click it and you run it, and and that's. You only need to make a mistake once, right? Once, once you make the mistake once, that's that's it. It just happens, you know, one time, and that's it. Oh, interesting. So, one of the other things we talked about, or the talk about cybersecurity insurance. Yes. What does that cover, and what do we need to be careful about around that? Cybersecurity insurance is something that I recommend everybody have, and it, you know. It's it's one of those things that you never want to have to use it, but if God forbid something happens and you need it, you you want it to be there. Cybersecurity insurance is something that when I talk to a lot of uh, business owners, they think that they already have it. They think that you know, yeah, I've got my errors and omission, I've got my general liability insurance. Uh, you know, yes, I've got cyber, but then when I really dig into it with them, and I and I say things to them like cybersecurity is not errors and omission. It is not your general liability. It is a specific policy that your insurance agent would have reached out to you or you would have contacted them to ask them for it. And, you know, typically when the conversation gets to that point, they're like, yeah, oh, I didn't know this. We we didn't have this. 
Uh, cybersecurity insurance will protect you depending on what kind of policy you have. And I don't uh, pretend to be an expert in insurance. I don't sell insurance, but it, it protects you on a couple of uh, key areas. The first one is if your environment ever is to be ransomed and you have to have a forensics team come in uh, and, and remediate that environment, fix your computers, restore the network, restore the servers, there's a cost for doing that. If you don't have cyber insurance, you need to pay that cost out of your pocket. The other thing too is if you were to suffer a, a data breach where your client's information were to be leaked or your employee's information were to be leaked and you were to be sued by your customers or your employees or both, uh, you know, that you would have some coverage there to cover your, your legal fees and, uh, you know, whatever the results of that are. So that's the purpose of cybersecurity insurance. But the thing with cybersecurity insurance is the insurance companies are seeing this pattern of there's too many payouts, there's too many claims, there's too many incidents of this happening. It's only getting worse and they're losing a lot of money on it. And so they've really started to tighten the requirements that they have in order for you to get cyber insurance. So what we see is you know, it, it, cyber insurance applications used to be a one form, you know, one pager. And, you know, sometimes now they're 20 or more pages of question after question after question. And what they're doing on these applications is they're looking to see what are you already doing so that they can understand what their risk as the insurance provider is uh, mm -hmm. to them. And so when they don't see things that are basic controls in their opinion, they're going to do one of two things. Number one, they're going to give you a policy premium that is so ridiculous you can't afford it. Or number two, and this is happening more often than not, is they're just outright denying to insure you to, to even begin with. Mm. So I always tell people before you go and apply for cyber insurance, you should work with a cybersecurity professional to make sure that you've got everything in place that you need before you go and apply for that insurance or before you go to renew the insurance if you already have it because you don't wanna be in a scenario where you get denied. Insurance companies all talk to each other. And one of the questions I see on insurance applications all the time is, have you ever been denied cyber insurance coverage by another carrier, yes or no? Uh, and so they're asking that question for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they'll also ask if you've ever had a claim. So let's assume you're able to get the insurance, you've done your due diligence, you've worked with a cybersecurity professional, you've got the right systems in place, your stack looks good, and you know, God forbid something still gets through, something still happens. You, you're gonna wanna reach out to your insurance company at that time, but you see, the moment that you do that, they're going to do what every insurance company does for any type of policy, whether it be home, car, whatever the case, they're gonna do their due diligence. They're going to check and see, did you do everything that you said you're doing on the application when you applied for the insurance? Did you, do, do you have security awareness training happening? Was that going ongoing at the time of the attack? So, you know, stuff like that, they're going to check and make sure that you've done your due diligence on that and your systems were patched and so forth. And if you lied on your application and said that, yes, you are doing, you know, ABC security control and you're not doing it, then they're, they're not going to pay your claim. And, and that's what that's what the risk is. You can be paying into that policy for years. And then when you, you know, you need it, you can't use it. And that's the worst scenario that you could be in. It feels like this is a whole level of 
complexity for business owners, but that it's not one we can ignore. It's one that, and I think we have, I think a lot of us as business owners have not necessarily, you know, put our head up and said, I'm ready to deal with this. What's the first step? The first step is to, to realize that, you know, what you were doing yesterday does not work today. Mm. So if you haven't re, if you haven't evaluated your cybersecurity posture in at least the last 12 months at, at worst, uh, chances are you're not covered, you're not protected, you're not secure. This field is evolving so fast and the threat actors are getting better by the day. As uh, you know, anybody who's in the cybersecurity space that is a professional in that industry is constantly reevaluating their skill set, going out and obtaining new certifications and new trainings and attending industry events so that they can try to stay ahead of this. If you're not able to do that because you're busy running your own business or you're you just don't have the it's just not in your wheelhouse, you need to work with a security professional because this changes so fast. And that that's really the the crux of it. That's the most important part of it. Well, and I think it also leads nicely into an offer that you have generously uh, put out for our listeners, and that is uh, a free security test. Can you tell us what that is, what it's, what the value of that is, and why people should consider doing it? Absolutely. So it's a, a secu- it's a it's called a penetration test, and what this pen test is designed to do is it's designed to show people what would happen if somebody in the organization were to click on a malicious link it's a it literally simulates exactly that so it's a it's a test that you run on your machines uh, and it's designed to go through and look at all the things that a cyber criminal would do uh, look for all the things that a cyber criminal would do without actually doing them after the test is done uh, a report is compiled and it's presented to the um, to the business owner so that they know where their security posture is right now, what where their weaknesses are, where their where their strengths are. Penetration tests are something that a lot of organizations are already aware of because it's it's everywhere. It's on the news. Uh, they have friends that have had it done, and, and you know whatever is the case, it's it's not an unknown uh, term anymore at this point. But it is cost prohibitive. If you go and look at having a pen test done, and you get this. You look on Google, these things start at $10,000 and, you know, they go up from mm-hmm. there. And at that price point, they're just, they're out of their reach for so many SMBs that they just yeah. don't do them. And so what I was offering to you, Wendy, and to your uh, audience is that anybody who has listened to this uh, podcast episode and, you know, understands their there's some things that might be running in their environments that they're not aware of. We will do the pen test for them at no charge as a, you know, a, a, a courtesy to you, Wendy, and uh, for helping to spread this very important message. We're willing to offer that to your, to your audience at no charge. I love that. Thank you so much, Daryl. And to get to that offer, we'll put it in the notes, but it is at blackstarwealth.com backslash cyber. So, um, and it's just a landing page for you to put your name and number in, and then we forward it to Daryl for him to set up the time to do the test. So Daryl, what is the question I have not asked you that I should have asked you about all things cybersecurity? You've asked a lot of really good questions, uh, Wendy. And, uh, you know, there's so, I mean, we could be, we could be here for hours talking about this and all the different uh, controls, but you know, what you're doing here right now 
just spreading the word and help getting it in the forefront of people's minds. There's huge value in this. This this problem of cybersecurity is so big that no one IT company can solve it. No one person can solve it, but it takes people like you and I doing things like this to bring it to people's to the forefront of their mind so that they they know that you know this is something that I I want to look into this before something bad happens. You don't want to do this after. So I want to give a big shout out and thank you to you for helping me to bring this message forward and for everything that you're doing in the space as well. Oh, my pleasure, Daryl. Thank you so much for coming today. And I think the real bottom line here is today is cyber criminals are getting more sophisticated and they're coming for you. Thanks, everybody. Wow, there was just so much learning in this episode. Do you want more? I have a special offer for the right entrepreneur, a complimentary one-on-one coaching session that is all about you, your business, and your goals so that you can accelerate your business and start to accelerate the growth of your network. Head over to wealthcoachwithwendy.com. There you will find a letter that kind of outlines all the details of this offer and also an application form. We have an application form because there's such a limited number of, of slots that we're opening up for this that we want to make sure that the people that um, uh, do are successful in getting the slot we can make the biggest difference with. So head over to wealthcoachingwithwendy.com and apply today. Thanks.